Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the assurance of things that are not seen. Faith, Christian faith, is trust in Jesus. It's trust in God. It's trust that God will never fail us. That, listen, even when life is bad, God is good. He's good. He's always good. And so really privileged this morning to have a guest that will continue our series. But before I introduce him, I want to just uh, acknowledge my daughter that's here from Virginia. It's really great to have her with us here uh, this weekend. She and her husband, Josh, of course, were part of Grace Crossing Church on our leadership team for about six years before two years ago they went to plant a church uh, in the Richmond, Virginia area, and uh, it's been quite an adventure with COVID, but God has been faithful. God has been meeting them in faithful ways, and I wish I could take all the credit. I wish Kelly and I could take all the credit for the strength of her faith, for the solidness of her faith, but truth be told, she was in a program called Junior Bible Quiz for about four years with the man who's coming today who was the coach of these kids and instilled faith in these kids. I mean, John Wooten is a coach of all coaches when it comes to quizzing, and um, he worked with all of our kids in Bible quiz, and I am so thrilled for the investment that he made, not just as a man, but as a coach, as a friend, uh, as his own dad, to his own kids, but then became in many ways a a man that they looked up to uh, as a father figure as well in their life. So really thankful for his investment. You know, I think one of the things about faith that we, we all understand is that faith is not just uh, built in times of crisis, but faith is actually revealed in times of crisis. And what I mean by that is that our character is really shown forth when we find ourselves in the middle of conflict. I had a front row seat into a time in John's life where he was shaken, and I watched how his faith sustained him. I watched how he walked through it. And I, and, I, and I respect the way that he trusted God all the way through his own cancer journey a number of years ago and is still a, a survivor today that is cancer-free and we just rejoice at what God has done. But it was his faith that held him in that time. And I, as his friend working with him at the time, I had an up-close personal view of what his faith was like. And uh, I can tell you that, that it was revealed during that time. So uh, I want you to stand this morning, and I want you to join me in uh, welcoming and honoring my friend, the friend of the Church of Jesus Christ, the friend of Grace Crossing Church, uh, John Wooten. Let's give him a hand. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate that so much. Uh, thank you for your kindness today, and I just want to let you know any time during the, the next few moments as I'm sharing, if you want to stand and applaud, uh, you're welcome to do that, because I know you want to... Keep moving. Gail, that's, uh, that's so touching. Thank you uh, for sharing that today. Uh, that's a very, very deep thing. When you know people like uh, we've known the Dukemans for years and years and their family, and Ashley, it's so great to see you today. Uh, so, many, so many good memories. If you're watching online today, you've made a smart decision. You know, we're, we're hearing from churches all over of the unexpected places that people are tuning in from, not just uh, beyond the current zip code, but around state, across the country, and even around the world. So wherever you're tuning in from today, uh, you are welcome here, and uh, Grace Crossing would love to connect with you 
and uh, be the kind of church they have been since their inception, a church that cares and that is just overwhelmed with the love of Jesus in their lives, and they want to share it with everybody else. If you do happen to be tuning in and you live here in the Dayton area, let me encourage you uh, at your convenience to come on out here and check out uh, the facilities, the people. Uh, If you've not been here before, this church has gone to great lengths to make sure everybody feels welcome and uh, the protocols they have uh, for dealing with the remaining time here in this pandemic, uh, you would greatly appreciate. And so you you would definitely, definitely uh, make a smart move by checking out, uh, continuing online or coming here at your convenience. So we are, as uh, Pastor Gill said, uh, continuing, I think, a very profound series. I've been able to, to catch out the series online, uh, Unshakable, and I want to continue in that theme today. Uh, that first week, we heard from Hebrews chapter 12, as Gil said, verse 28, since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. And then I loved what I heard that first Sunday, faith. You can use an acronym, right? F-A-I-T-H. I I know you have it all memorized by heart here today. So say that with me. Forsaking all, I trust him. That was so helpful. I want to zero in in the next few moments on this issue of trust. How our trust in the love of God serves as that incredible foundation that enables us to do what the world does not understand, which is is to forsake all. Sometimes forsake the things that that the world would say, no, you got to hold on to that. No, I trust my God. You know, Gil referenced uh, my cancer battle uh, years ago, and uh, it was Hodgkin's disease, uh, lymphoma cancer, and uh, I, I was so thankful the whole time through, lots of prayers from folks like the Dukemans and family and friends and Anybody who's been through a battle like that, you, you gain a deeper appreciation for what it means to be carried, literally, by the faithful prayers of God's people. But I did have one particular episode in that almost year-long journey of chemo and radiation and losing my hair and feeling weak and, and, and nauseous many times. But I had one particularly low spot, low spot uh, during that, where I, where I realized that I was actually just human after all. And I I think I had the flu on top of everything else. And it just kind of hit me. I was a young father with uh, three children at the time. And uh, I realized this thing could take me. I I don't know that it really had settled on me in my heart that this was not a guaranteed outcome. And I remember uh, in the midst of feeling like I was going to lose my mind, It was the first time in my life, I was almost 30, and it was the very first, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was the first time in my life because, like many in this room, I was raised in in a godly home. I I had had a tremendous mom and dad and a great church family, and so I'm thankful for that, but this really was the first time in three decades of living that I, I for the first time, thought, I don't know that I'm going to make it, And, and, and that I didn't know if this brain of mine was going to be able to hold all of these random, anxious thoughts inside my brain. I guess you might call it an anxiety attack. It was the first time 
that ever happened in my life. And so that was, that was shocking because I had never been there before. So I didn't know what the outcome was going to be of this episode that I was having all by myself one day. And you've heard the, the term many times, your love language. And I believe there's truth in that. And I know my love language is laughter. I mean, when I was here last month, uh, Bridget, my wife, and Gil and Kelly, uh, we, we laughed so hard at lunchtime that day. Just so many memories, so many things to laugh about. Uh, and we, we had a good time. My love language is laughter. And do you know when I was crying when I, was, when I was like worried that I wasn't even gonna make it, all I could hear was laughter. And I knew that my heavenly father was laughing at me. <laughs> and I was so shocked. I was, I was offended. <laughs> How dare you laugh at me? Because you know the difference. You know, sometimes people are laughing with you and sometimes they're laughing at you. And this was definitely an at you moment. And it was... It wasn't like a mean laughter, but it was laughter like God had faith in me and he just found it kind of funny that in the moment I wasn't where he knew I was going to land and I felt like God was laughing at me, but it it was not a chiding laughter. I was actually encouraged because uh, I felt like after either I came to myself or God came to himself, I remember a scripture that I, as a young person, had studied and memorized in this quizzing program that Gil referenced earlier with Ashley. It was from Colossians chapter 1, and verse 17, I believe, says that in him all things consist. And I had, I had studied that as a student and, and now as a young pastor, and I, I believe, even to this day, what I was preaching and teaching then, that the whole universe is held together in Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the creative force, and everything that he created, of course, is held together by him. I had always thought about that in terms of the majesty and the scope of the unfathomable universe, how large this whole thing is, and the solar systems, and the gravitational forces, and without which all of this, you know, just one, one alteration on the axis of the earth, and we'd be toast, and God's holding all of that together, and he is, praise God. But in that love language moment, <laughs> I heard God waiting for me to rehearse all of that. Yeah, I know that. And then the punchline was, and John, if you'll trust me, I can probably hold that brain of yours together too. If I'm holding the whole universe, and I've been doing it since before time began, if you'll trust me, I can make sure that your skull can... can Absorb all those random thoughts that you're having, and, and we're going to make this if you'll, if you'll trust me. And folks, that was the turning point for me in that, in that battle. And of course, I, I thank the Lord. As Gil said, every year I still go back to my oncologist. I'm thankful for the doctors. I'm thankful for the tests and all of that, and I stay on top of it. But I'm thankful that in addition to the healing, the answer prayer, that probably, and I should say without a doubt, the greatest lesson I learned through all of that was the deep love of God for me, that, that he loved me so much and so personally that when I seemed like I was the poster child for one of the most vulnerable people you could be, that love language was so deep that he could risk laughing with me. <laughs> and, and that doesn't come overnight. And it's not because God isn't ready to show the love, it's because we've got such a long way to go in pulling back the scales that time and 
and experience and circumstances have, have, have warped our view of who God is. And we've got so much unwrapping to do from the things that have distracted us from so long to the heartbeat and the call of our Father. And that's what I want to take us back to today as we look at perhaps maybe an unsuspecting, uh, uh, an, an, a surprising example from the Old Testament, the, the story of Jonah the prophet. As we look at unshakable faith today from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, but going back then into the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. If you weren't here the very first week, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm trying my best to do poker face here, but I'm going to need a tissue. <laughs> uh, is, there, is there any way I can get a tissue somewhere or from an usher or something like that? Yeah, I'll take some. If you have some in your purse, I've survived COVID so far, I'll risk it. So uh, thank you so much. I apologize. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I should have been prepared. That very first week when I, when I heard and saw what you saw, the introduction to this message, three profound, I hope, I hope you really captured them, and today I hope you'll see them once again, three profound stages that develop our faith. Orientation or location, disorientation or dislocation, and reorientation or, and relocation. Location, dislocation, and relocation. That, that was profound. If you have not watched the first week message, I encourage you to go back and do that. We're going to talk today about how Jonah became dislocated, a man who loved God, a man who, who followed God, how he temporarily, like all of us, became dislocated, but then that love of God came rushing back in to help him get relocated where he needed to be. So today I want to look at, at how God showed you and I in the life of Joseph, Jonah, how we are called by his spirit, how we're carried by his hand, and how we're captured by his love. I hope your hearts will be deeply encouraged personally for your situation, but also for the people in your life who you know right now what they need more than anything is to, is, is to get relocated. They, 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 they have within them the DNA of their heavenly father, and maybe they are a spouse. Maybe they are a loved one, a child, a coworker. I hope that whether it's you or someone in your life today who you know is, has been temporarily dislocated from the place where God wants them to be, that you will be encouraged by Jonah's story of unshakable faith. Called by his spirit, Jonah received a call that is now world famous. In fact, many people who are not, necess- not even Jewish or not even Christian are familiar with the story of Jonah and the whale. But it's not just Jonah. All of us, every person in this room, every person that you will ever meet, every beating heart has been fashioned in the image of God. And so, so in this image of ours is DNA, And the DNA that every one of us in this room has means that we have already been hardwired to respond to the call of God. There already is within you and within the people who right now are are not serving, serving their heavenly father as he would desire. Even in them, we have all been hardwired. The DNA is there. The connections are just waiting for that spark so that we can understand and grasp and fulfill the call that God has placed upon each one of us. 
Now, sometimes we're tempted to think that only the special people like, you know, full-time missionaries who get called overseas or evangelists who, who are called uh, to devote everything they have to, to preach the gospel, that they're the only ones with a calling, but that's not the case. Pastor and author Tim Keller explains that the call of God on the life of every single believer is absolutely necessary. And a quick search of scripture backs Tim Keller up. The apostle wrote in the New Testament book of Thessalonians, he called you, he called you to salvation. When he, we told you the good news, so now you can share the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, we read, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And in John chapter 10, verse three, he says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, in the Old Testament, we see dozens of stories, again, of men and women who also were called by God and, and how they walked them out, sometimes with great victory, some of, sometimes with the, some disappointing circumstances. But this morning, I want us to hone in on the call of God on the life of Jonah. Jonah chapter one, verses one through three. Whether you can quote these verses, you know the essence already of what happened. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it because their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found there a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid its fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of of the Lord. Their wickedness had come up. The people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, were so wicked, God was going to deal with their wickedness, and so he was placing a call on Jonah to preach repentance so they could turn from their wicked ways and be spared this devastation that God was, was going to wreak upon them because of their wickedness. He said, that it was a great city. Well, that's one of the many understatements in scripture. Nineveh was considered at the time the largest city in the world. This was the, this was the, the world's largest city and it was the capital city of the Assyrians who were the arch enemies of Israel. They were, they were, they were slaughtering and persecuting Jews who'd been displaced from the, the true nation of Israel left and right, and they've been doing it for years. So here was Jonah, the son of Amittai, and he is being called by God as a Jew to go to this place where there's, there is the headquarters of their, of their enemy, the stronghold. And he says, instead of going to Nineveh, he's gonna go to Tarshish. So was Jonah being that unreasonable when you think about the call that was placed upon his life? Like all the Jews in the northern kingdom of Israel, Jonah and his family had lived in constant fear at the atrocities of the Assyrians. All of the Jews, everybody knew, it was just a, a, a no-brainer, you knew if you were a Jew at the time that, that your neighbors, your family were subject at any moment to become victims of the savagery of the Assyrians. So how do you say yes to a call like that? Could you just instantly forget that Jewish children had been offered and sacrificed to the Assyrian gods? Could you just pretend not to remember your neighbors, your family who were scorched alive and, and persecuted and sacrificed? If you survived another attack that others did not, how does that really work when you're the one who survives? 
What do you say in the days following the attack when, when you finally come out of your shock, when you can feel some air coming back into your lungs? What are you supposed to think of this not just one day, not just one month, but decade after decade when the Assyrians are being so cruel? And without the internet or cable news at your disposal, you innocently travel days to visit a relative or a friend for a special occasion or feast, and you only find out upon arrival <clears throat> that your friend's grieving parents were forced to watch just a week ago or a month ago as their son or their daughter was brutally tortured and murdered. After so much atrocity, what does it do to your frame of mind when tragedy comes home, and this time it's your own loved one, it's your own husband, your own wife, your own child? But the call of God on Jonah's life was not simply to forget or pretend that that didn't happen. It was more jolting than that. In a, in a twist that would certainly defy logic as you and I would define it, Jonah was being asked to be the sole messenger of an undeserved, an unbelievable gift of mercy to the cruelest enemies that you and your family and friends have ever known. And that helps explain those back-to-back -back sentences I read a few moments ago. Arise, go to Nineveh. So Jonah went to Tarshish, right? If you are in Israel and you're told to go to Nineveh, almost 600 miles to the east, but you head instead to Tarshish, about 2,000 miles to the west, that's kind of similar to somebody right here in Beaver Creek being told, rise, go to Vermont. And so you go to the airport and purchase a ticket to Oregon. That's, that's what happened when Jonah responded to the call of God. But Jonah did not have a Nineveh problem, really. He had a God problem. And Jonah knew the difference. If Jonah was afraid of Nineveh, then long before this, he could have fled and, and gone to the southern coast of Spain, which is where tradition holds that Tarshish was. If you don't want to go to Nineveh, just stay out of Nineveh. Stay where you are or head 100 miles the other way or 500, mission accomplished. But if you want to go 2,000 miles away, you're not fleeing from Nineveh. You're fleeing from some other force. And in Jonah's case, he was fleeing from God. Where could he go on this earth? And Tarshish was about as far as he, he knew you could go to get away from God, to, to run away from that conversation, that accountability with your creator, with your heavenly father. Why did Jonah really want to flee from God? Why do you and I have moments when we want to do anything but draw near to God or follow the steps that he's laying out for us? Did Jonah lack this unshakable faith? Is our hesitance to respond to God a lack of faith on our part? Or could it be a little deeper than that? Let's, let's find out as we watch the links that God goes to in order to lovingly set Jonah on the right path. He was, he was called by the Spirit of God, just as you and I, each and every one of us, have a calling on our lives and in this room, I'm sure we have a mixture of testimonies of, of thank God for the call on my life, the call to, to go into this particular line of work, the call to, to join this particular family, the call to say yes, yes to the assignment that God had given me, the, the fruit, the testimony, the, the changed lives, the momentum for the kingdom that resulted as a, as a result of us saying yes to the call of God. But 
in this microphone today and in this room, we also have testimonies, stories of, of moments where we missed it, where, where the call of God was pretty clear, but for a variety of reasons, we, we found a way to evade the call of God. <clears throat> and the call, of course, is different for each person. For each of us, there is a call to join God as his child, to join him just in that loving relationship that is first and foremost, but beyond that, he has more children that he wants to bring home. And so the call of God in all of our lives, in every way, shape, or form, has something to do with bringing more of his children where they belong. And, and Jonah chose, of course, to go the other way. So we see what God did in Jonah's life as he was carried by his hand. And I think this is going to be encouraging to you and me as well. So what do we see there in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17? God was not done. He had heard. He had seen Jonah, obviously, and God had a plan. God was not caught by surprise that Jonah's first response was not to say yes, whatever you need. And so what do we see there in verse 17 of chapter 1? The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It's amazing how animals are used in the Old Testament. God caused a donkey to speak to Balaam because Balaam was heading the wrong way and the donkey finally said, hey, buddy, don't go this way, go this way. How many of you think that would catch your attention, right? Yep. God caused ravens to keep Elijah alive when he was running for his life and the, the ravens brought him food day and night. So it is not beyond God to use animals to use people, to use weather, to use bank accounts, to use bosses. God will use whatever he needs to use to catch our attention because his love for us wants to carry us to the place he has in mind. And he did this in John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. After Jonah had survived the ordeal inside the, the fish, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Oh, don't miss those words, a second time. How many times? Has God's spirit come to you a second time? <laughs> Third time. Here I am, fourth time. Oh, we're so thankful for a God of second chances. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So after the ride in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, Jonah had a knack for seeing things differently. How many of you think that might change your perspective, right? And, and, and the, Lord does not, the Lord does not have a plan for us that involves the ordeals that we sometimes have to go through. His plan was not to involve a fish at all. His plan was for Jonah to be obedient, for Jonah to, to respond to his voice. And sometimes it's crazy, and sometimes it's more than we think we can stand. But God will go to any lengths necessary to make sure we understand the call of God on our lives, which really is his love. For sure, then, we can empathize with Jonah. Yes, his assignment was out of the ordinary. Do you know, he was the only prophet in all the Old Testament who was sent with a specific message of repentance for anybody but the Jews. He was sent to the Gentiles. And not until Peter went to Cornelius' house 800 years later do we see a similar story of a Jew being sent as an emissary to show God's plan and love for the Gentiles. How many of you have met some Gentiles here in the greater Dayton area? Anybody? Have you seen some? 
I've seen a few, right? So when we hear stories like this, as probably almost all Gentiles here, we should say, hallelujah, these are, the, these are the first examples of what we now know to be true, that God's love for mankind includes all of us. We are all welcome at the foot of the cross. So yes, Jonah had his Nineveh, but he didn't have to preach like Joel did at a time of unbelievable devastation at the hands of ravenous locusts. That would have been a challenge. That was Joel's call. Jonah had his Nineveh call, but Amos had to convince a self-deceived Israel during a time of restored prosperity when everybody interpreted, it's all good, it's all good, we're under God's blessing. He had to convince them that they would be destroyed unless their hearts were radically changed. That's a tough call. Jonah had his Nineveh, but Micah had to censure the leadership of a nation. That's a tough call. Jonah had his Nineveh, but Zephaniah had to declare the wrath of a loving God, had to convince people that a loving God also, because of his love, had a plan for wrath. Jonah had his Nineveh, but young Jeremiah had to deliver a severe message of doom to his own people. Jonah had his Nineveh, but Daniel's message to Belshazzar placed him on the lion's dinner menu. Jonah had his Nineveh, but Obadiah had to proclaim God's plan for his people in the midst of their devastation and mourning when Jerusalem was destroyed. Jonah had his Nineveh. That was a tough one. But Jesus had his Gethsemane. Stephen had his council. Philip had his Samaria. Peter had Caesarea. Paul and Barnabas had Lystra. Saul and Silas had Philippi. Timothy had Ephesus, and John had Patmos, and on and on and on. And your calling, your calling is just as unique. If you're walking through a season today where you know you're wrestling with the call of God, you know that God has spoken to you, but it just feels like one of the most unpleasant tasks manageable. On the one hand, you're correct. You're correct. It is tough. It is tough. You don't have to to fake it. It hurts. It's painful. It's inconvenient. It, it, It requires of you more than you think you have within you. It's tough. That's why it's so good to belong to a body of Christ, to have friends with whom you can share what you're going through. I don't know that I'd be here today. I know I wouldn't if it weren't for brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that I could go to in those challenging seasons. And get the, the burden doesn't go away. The calling may not change, but just to know, just to know that God's gonna be with you, just to know that you're not crazy. Yes, it's tough, but God has not called us to anything he's not going to equip us to accomplish in him. Your calling is just as unique. So wherever you find yourself this morning, wherever that loved one might be on their journey, whatever the task might be ahead of you, to fulfill God's call, be reminded and encouraged of the lengths that God will go to, the lengths he has already gone to, to woo us into the calling he has designed for each one of us. So Jonah survives three days inside the giant fish. He makes it to Nineveh. He tells them to turn to God and unbelievably, unbelievably, this one sole prophet from the Jews, whom the Assyrians had had no difficulty whatsoever slaughtering time and time again and enjoying it, this one prophet following the call of God on his life 
caused an entire city to fall on their knees in repentance. In fact, it is the single largest revival ever recorded in Scripture because Jonah found a way to say yes to the call of God. Nothing can explain the love and mercy of God. Nothing can explain it. But it does help to understand the lengths that he goes to when we see glimpses into what's driving his heart. If you knew as a heavenly father that over 100,000 lives that you had created would be spared because of the revival that would come and, and you were the creator, would you find a way to get a fish at the right time to bring your prophet where he needed to be? Absolutely. What's driving the heart of God? It is 24-7. It is non-stop love. And when, when God already sees the future that we cannot always see as clearly as we'd like, that defines and that explains why he goes to some of the lengths that he goes to as difficult and as challenging as it might see because he knows what's on the other side. It's not just your victory. It's not just your healing. It's not just your breakthrough. But he realizes going through that, that you have a circle of influence, that others whom he longs to be in relationship will see his love in a brand new way. And so let's not be surprised when God goes to incredible lengths to make sure that you and I had that second chance to be carried by his hand to the call that he has placed upon our lives. Your story, your life, your bumps and bruises, never, never doubt the love and mercy of the heavenly father to help your faith remain unshakable. When you would have predicted there's no way you could have made it, do not doubt God's ability to help you remain unshakable because he knows what we don't know, how our calling how the mercy of God in our life, how our story can be used to draw more and more of his children home. And as we'll see here in this closing point, that was the secret to Jonah's unshakable faith. He knew God well enough to know that his love and mercy are the most dependable forces mankind has ever known. Let me say that again. The love and mercy of God now, I'm talking about things that we can document, things like gravity. I'm talking about things we can document all over this globe, natural forces. There is nothing more reliable that mankind has ever known than the love and mercy of God, captured by his love. Jonah was called by his spirit. He was carried by God's hand. And I think the strongest point in Jonah's life is that he was totally captured by God's love. What does Jonah chapter four, verse two say? This is the last chapter of the book of Jonah. This is after the greatest revival known to man. I mean, if Jonah was a modern day prophet, a modern day pastor, he would be licking his chops, you know? One day I'm gonna be in heaven and we're gonna have testimonies and Paul's gonna share, right? It's gonna be awesome. And Jeremiah's gonna share and Isaiah. And then somehow it's gonna get around to it. And what was the greatest revival ever recorded in the scripture? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> nope, that's not where Jonah is at, not at all. He still is very much aware of what these people had done to the Jews, 
And so here in chapter four, I love this glimpse into Jonah's life. He is, he's being so transparent. And again, you kind of want to, I almost hear heaven laughing at Jonah <laughs> in this chapter. He prayed to the Lord and he, he was now upset that God had showed so much mercy and that all these people had gotten saved. And he was resenting it. And so in verse chapter four, verse two, he said, oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own land? What's he saying there? I told you, I knew it was gonna happen. Back before the, I hopped on the ship, back before I got into the whale, back before I walked all the way back there, I predicted it. I knew this is what you would do. While I was still in my own land, this is what I said. And this, he said, is the reason that I fled before to Tarshish. Because I knew you are a gracious God and merciful. I knew you're slow to anger. I knew you're abundant in faithfulness. I knew you were ready to relent from punishment. Do you grasp the depth this morning of Jonah's unshakable faith? He is not where I would be. I know me. I would be thinking these are the Assyrians. These are the people who have no trouble batting an eye at slaughtering thousands of my countrymen. They will not let me get a sentence out before they will chop my head off. These are the Assyrians. They, they have ridiculed my God. There is no way if I shout these words at them that they're going to respond. It, it, I, I will be lucky if all they do is laugh. There's no way. That's, that's where I think my faith would have been. And so Jonah deserves the chastisement and the lessons that we all have uh, 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 <laughs> taken from his life over the last centuries for his disobedience but he deserves, he deserves no chastisement for his lack of faith. You see, that was already a done deal for him. It was because he was so rooted in the love of God, he was so convinced of God's mercy, how he was slow to anger, how loving he was, that the idea that the Ninevites would, would turn and would repent, he didn't even give that a second thought. That was like a no-brainer. Well, God's love is the issue, not mankind's resistance. God's love is the main thing, not, not the excuses and, and, and the things that, that men and women will do. It, it, I'm staggered. I'm blown away at the faith of Jonah that he didn't even, in fact, it was the opposite. He knew they would accept God's love. He knew they would repent because he knew that God was that loving. Unshakable faith because of his trust. His trust. He trusted God so much that he didn't want God to be the loving, merciful God that he had trusted him to become. He knew that's who God was. His trust was so anchored in the love of his heavenly father that he knew like clockwork, God was gonna show mercy to the enemies of his people. If you're here in this room today, if you're watching online, you don't have a Nineveh problem. You don't have a Beaver Creek problem. 
I don't have an employment problem or a health problem. I, I don't have what I would define as problems, really. Of course, I'm not saying these, these challenges don't exist, and they're not severe. They are. But at the core of each and every one of us, what we really have is a God issue. And because we are hardwired to respond to the call of God, we also are hardwired to connect to the love of God. And despite what we see, the unrest, the anger, the vitriol, all the accusations, at the bottom of it, every beating heart is wrestling because they know there's a God they know that there is this love. They know there's this, this connection that needs to happen. And if God is it, if it really is the call of God, if it really is the love of God, then it's going to require a decision. And so, so many, so much of what we see going on is, is really not mankind's issue with one another. It really is coming out of this hole, this vacuum that we have in our hearts until we come to terms with what it means to acknowledge that God really does love us that much. And if God loves us that much, then I know whatever my circumstance is, whatever my calling is, because I have the love of a heavenly father, I'm going to be okay. In fact, I'm going to be more than okay. My circumstances in this life, whether or not mankind or even my own wisdom would say, well, that's how I wanted it to go. We know we rest in the assurance of this love of God that is more merciful than we could possibly imagine and sometimes more merciful than we even want. <laughs> Thank God I'm not God. Thank God you're not God. Thank God Jonah is not God. Only God is God. And his love, his mercy, his plan, his calling for our lives will use whales and ships. You know, this story is full of so many miracles. It's not just the fish. The Lord sent the great wind on the sea. When the fishermen prayed to the Lord, the sea ceased from raging. God stopped the disaster that was on its way to Nineveh. He prepared a plant and a worm and an east wind here in chapter four to teach Jonah a lesson. Nature, miracles, <laughs> those are just tools that God uses to help us understand his love. Miracles are not the goal. Miracles are simply the messengers of God's deep desire for us to fully grasp the depths of his great love. We thank God for the miracles. We pray for them. We, we need them and we believe them and they're God's will, but we miss it if we think that miracles are relief, the answer is the point. The point has always been, and the point always will be, the immeasurable love and mercy of our Heavenly Father. Can I encourage you today to allow God to build and to reveal the unshakable faith that is inside you? It really is there as you consider the heights and the depths of God's love for you. Many are familiar with the words of this, this old Christian song. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, 
Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. You have what it takes. In the midst of this world that seems like it excels and focuses on developing one outrageous headline after another every single day. In a world that feels like it is spiraling out, not just of control, but of any grasp on wisdom, it's not too much for God. It never has been. It never will be. We are not the only generation. We are not the only generation to have this sense of what in the world is going on. The call of God on our lives is what Beaver Creek, it's what Greater Dayton, it's what Ohio needs more than any. More than anything else right now is to see a man, to see a woman who is responding to the call of God because it's not just a call on your life. It is part of the master plan God has for helping the world discover the love that he has for them. So whatever your call is this week, however deep your faith is being tested, keep going back to the measureless love of God. Keep anchoring yourself. Keep reminding yourself about the depths of this amazing love. And like Jonah, may our faith begin to grow so that the answers, the blanks that need to be filled in, the the miracles that need to happen, all in God's timing, our faith is there because our love is firmly entrenched and grounded. Our lives are anchored in the love of our Heavenly Father, whose love will know no end. Can you pray with me today? Father, I I thank you for this reminder today of something that, that often is indescribable. But we know, Lord, it is the truth that your love, your love, the loving kindness of God is, is, is all that's holding this universe together and it's all that this universe needs. So many songs have been written, so many sermons have been preached. My prayer today is that everybody who is, is hearing this series of messages and those who've tuned in today will be reminded no, no matter how difficult the next step might be to fulfill the call of God in our life, no, no matter the amount of faith in our minds that is required to hold fast, to believe, to declare the word of God, that if like Jonah, we will see, we will be reminded, we'll be convinced to our core that there is nothing, nothing, nothing beyond the love and the mercy of our Heavenly Father, that our faith will be firmed up, that it will remain unshakable, that our loved ones, that our, that our friends, that our coworkers will take notice of this faith and in the right moment, 
that we can nudge them closer to the love of God, whether it's through something that we said, something that we did, something that we did not say, something that we refrained from doing. May the call of God on each and every one of our lives help lead us through the journey that you have placed on our lives for this season. And as a result, we pray that many, many other people, according to your perfect timing, according to your plans, would discover the same love that has transformed our lives and transformed our eternities. We give those situations to you. Can I ask you to do that right now if you're listening? What is the challenge? What is the obstacle? What circumstance right now kind of takes your breath away because of all the ramifications, because of all of the challenges? Can you lay that before the Lord this morning? Can you allow his, his love to just kind of come in and, and fill your space with assurance, with joy, with peace that doesn't make sense, even with laughter? I pray that for you today. And and if by chance you are here, you're in the, in the room today or you're watching online either today or, or weeks down the road, if you would honestly say, I don't believe that I've responded to the call of God like I need to. In fact, I, I don't even know if it would be accurate to say that, that I'm in a, a good place with God. Would you, just for a few moments, allow the Spirit of God to permeate the room right where you are, to permeate your heart, eliminate some of the noise, eliminate all the headlines and all the debates, and just come down to the core of who you are. Do you believe that there is a heavenly Father who loves you? Can you absorb, can you receive this love that he is longing to pour into your life? Nothing, nothing, is more important to God than you understanding how close he wants to wrap his arms around you, how much forgiveness and mercy he wants to shower so, so that nothing in your past, nothing in your past has to keep you from moving forward into the plan that God has for your life. And then imagine by faith, not only your life, but the people around you, the people that cross your paths how they will be impacted, how they will be forever changed, how, how your story of, of coming to the love of God, how your story can have a ripple effect that will bring forgiveness and mercy to people in ways that you'd never imagined. That is the potential of every life today responding to the call of God's spirit. And I pray that you will say yes. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.